Hi, I'm John Morgo, one of the last three guys to a podcast. We've switched our platform to Anchor. Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons. It's free. They'll help you produce and record your podcast. They'll also help distribute it, get you on Spotify, iTunes, and all the rest. And you can make money from it, even without any listeners. It really is a great deal. So join us. Download the software at anchor.fm and click to get started. And and be with us, the last three guys do a podcast on Anchor. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you may be listening to us in the great wide world brought together by the Internet. It's time for the last three guys to do a podcast. I'm John Morgo with Leon Brown. Daniel Bolton is not with us today. He is out in Las Vegas enjoying himself with his wife, a nice anniversary gift. I don't know if they are talking to my parents, uh, but if they are, I hope they're having fun. And joining us as a co-host duties will be J.J. Gurevich from uh, ATL Prime Sports. Uh, J.J., I'm so glad you're able to... uh, Come on to come on and uh, help us out for uh, being uh, stepping in as a co-host. It's re- thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome. It's uh, it's good to be back on and glad to be here. So thank you. All right. Well, let's get down and dirty with uh, the week that's been in here in the uh, ATL, and of course, it all starts with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they went uh, hosted New Orleans on the back end of their two-game swing, and they. Well, they tried to kick their way to a victory and probably still had a shot to win, but instead they lost again to the New Orleans Saints, and with this victory, the Saints clinched a playoff berth in the uh, upcoming postseason. Final score, of course, 21-16, to and uh, I'm going to let Leon go first on this because, well, let me, let me preface my remarks. When we were talking about this game last week, Daniel had the opinion that Raheem Morris had done enough to become the new Atlanta Falcons head coach. I said, no, I want to see what he would do in terms of this rematch. I want to see if he would make adjustments. And apparently, no offense, no, they really didn't make a lot of adjustments. Sure, I think Matt Ryan had a lot more time time to operate, but this is still an offense that just cannot seem to get anything but field goals. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems that Oh, Atlanta couldn't get out their own way this game. I mean, this right here was New Orleans' ninth straight victory over the team, which makes it roughly four years since Atlanta has beaten New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the the Falcons, you know, they 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 had their chances throughout the game. Right. You know, unfortunately, um, the offensive line could not block for Todd Gurley when it was most needed. You know, that that tackle towards the end of the game for that it was like a, a seven-yard loss Yep. when the game went line. I mean, that right there kind of it, it kind of summed up the whole game for the Falcons. And for the defense to give up two touchdowns to a seemingly rookie quarterback in Taysom Hill, I mean, this man threw his first two touchdowns his career against, all, against the Falcons defense. Right. That shouldn't have happened. Point, Leon. Very good. Um, I, I, I I second out everything you said. When the Saints rushed for 207, the Falcons struggled to get. Uh, what I, I think they rushed for right at 100 as a team. That that doesn't equate to victories in the NFL. So you, you can't get a, you can't expect something uh, and not have a run game and expect Matt Ryan and, and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley to make every play down the stretch. I mean, despite how bad Atlanta played, turning the ball over once, they still had two shots in the last two minutes to win the game. So it just goes to show you how much offensive talent's on the Atlanta Falcons. Where they lack is the defense. Uh, They made Taysom Hill look uh, like a legitimate quarterback, which he hasn't really looked like that the first two starts he had. Uh, The Atlanta Falcons kept him from throwing a touchdown pass the first time they played. They still got beat 24 to 9, but they still kept them from throwing the ball all over them. This week, he was able to throw the ball. They were able to run the ball. They did everything they wanted to, and they won 21 to 16. And neither team really played an efficient ball game except for, honestly, the Saints rushing game, which Taysom Hill had a huge part of. He had a 43, 45 yard, something like that, yard rush early, early on, set him up for a touchdown early. And they they built the momentum up to twenty one to uh, it was twenty one to nine lead and 
again, I just hang the hat on it. You 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 nailed it. They they can't seem they can't seem to beat the Saints. Uh, the last time they played them uh, and beat them, uh, Deion Jones went up and grabbed the ball in a in, in a last minute drive for Drew Brees, in which Matt Ryan threw three picks. I can't remember. I think that's been three three or four years ago, as Leon mentioned. So. This is nuts. Uh, what it, what a interesting game to watch, and it pretty much eliminates the Atlanta Falcons from the playoffs. Yeah, because I noticed on the CBS uh, morning sh- uh, preview show when they did their NF- uh, NFC playoff uh, wrap up as to you know who's in there, I noticed they had Dallas and not Atlanta, even though Dallas has got they have similar records. But that's only because Dallas, if you know, if you get on a three game winning streak, you're winning the NFC East. The thing of it is with the Falcons, though, I'm just concerned about their about their vanilla offense. Uh, Dirk Carter just seems to have one play style, and that's keeping things basic and simple. I want to see him open things up. And he and he just doesn't seem to do so. Although they did get a touchdown with uh, Matt Ryan finding Russell Gage toward the end, and that set up that last uh, couple of couple of plays toward the end, where as you said, JJ and Leon, they did have a chance to win. I'm just I'm just concerned about this the state of this offense, how it just it just keeps driving, and then fi- and then when it gets into the red zone or the yellow zone, as I call it, it just kind of gets stuck, and we have to settle for for Young Young uh for Koo's field goals. Yeah, so we we, we got a couple of questions for the Atlanta um, for, for the Atlanta Falcons during the offseason. I mean, if you're Arthur Blank in management, are we looking to clean house? Well, so we gotta go. We, we, we gotta go. What what's been working? What has not been working? It, it, it's tough to say. Uh, to, to me, I think the Falcons have have tried to clean house. I, I think what they need to do is concentrate on a GM first. Yes. Uh, the head coach is out of there. Dan Quinn is gone. So, let's face it. Raheem Morris has gotten this team playing much better. But is he the guy? to go forward with and build a franchise around him with. Who knows? He had his chance in, in, in Tampa Bay with about a 500 guy off the top of my head, record-wise. He's got his head coaching experience. I think he deserves a shot at the job for sure. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of good candidates out there uh, to replace that. But first, I think you've got to find a GM that's going to be on page with Arthur Blank. And I think you need to draft the, the from the inside out, from the closest to the ball to the farthest away from the ball. And that's how Atlanta needs to draft from now on. Well, that's uh, Dimitrov's love to draft skilled players early and move up like Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. But you need offensive and defensive linemen in this league. So that that's that's GM first, and then we'll find a, 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 a coach. But cleaning house, it's almost already been done. And and it looks like Atlanta will now. Usually, Atlanta gets a couple of victories in the after really just being cratered for the first half of the season. They get a couple of victories, and it's enough to move them into the middle of the pack in terms of uh, draft status. So they go after they get, as you said, the best available player is probably what they're is what they're doing. And and honestly, Thomas Dimitrov has whiffed whenever he has gone for alignment. He has whiffed horribly on a lot of different cho- on a lot of different choices. Tack McKinley ran himself out. Vic Beasley ran himself out. So but now it looks like Atlanta is going to get either a, they'll probably when all is said and done, they'll be drafting either in the uh, low single digits or the low teens. Anywhere from say nine to fourteen. A, maybe eight to fourteen. Something a little better than what they're than what they're gonna do. Um, and again, the, the the offensive the offensive components are still there. You, I mean, you got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley is is coming in. You probably do need to get a running back. Todd, uh, Todd Gurley is not the long term solution, and I'm still not sure what we have in Edo Smith. I think he could be the long term, but they, they're going to get they're really going to need a quality running back, and maybe you can get that. Th- but the good thing about running backs is you can get them at the at the late stages of the draft. You don't need to really go out and get a running back unless you got someone of of the caliber of Saquon Barkley, but I don't see anything of that in this year's draft class. You can get a serviceable running back in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, so you don't need 
You don't need that. I'm, it's just another situation where the Falcons are going into the draft needing a shutdown, a, a, either a um, road grader in the middle of the line or someone to come off the edges uh, on the defensive line to get sacks. Because we just haven't had that in years, and it seems like it seems like it's constantly repeating itself in terms of what the Falcons need in their draft, and it's just another year of that. Going to your other point about the coach, they do have to get the GM first. Now, I know everyone here wants Eric Bieniemy to be our new head coach, and I got news for you. He's going to Houston. I don't see him going anywhere else. Deshaun Watson wants him. Deshaun Watson wants him in Houston. I think that's is probably where he's going to wind up. I agree with that. Yeah. I second that. Yeah, so we're going to have to so we're going to Houston. I don't think that Airbnb can resolve what's going on in Houston. Houston has a personnel issue. Well, when you lose a major piece of your offense like a DeAndre Hopkins to a bonehead coaching decision, it's, it's going to take them a little time to to move in the right direction. I mean, right now they have their quarterback, but they're going to need pieces around that man or if they want that to happen. Cause, yeah, cause but, they but, just may lose J.J. Watt in the offseason. I think J.J. Watt is going to move in the offseason, and if anything, that he, if I'm Houston, I'm going to want to trade him before he does leave and, and make sure I get something for him because you know J.J.'s got a lot left in the tank. And I think J.J. would be a good centerpiece for them to get a massive trade to try and bring in some a wide receiver as well. Because now that Bill O'Brien is gone, he won't be making those idiotic moves that we saw during the <laughs> offseason, like sending DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. I mean, that was I mean, I, things that just that just scratch your head about, you know, why is he doing this? So that's one thing that's going that's going in Houston's favor that. You know, you got to get someone in there who at least knows what he's doing, and I guess keeps his personal opinions out of things. Just you know, just basically on football, on football. But um, you know, once, but honestly, with with the head coaching, once there's Eric Bieniemy is the hot name. I really don't know if there is another um, really name assistant who's just itching to get that head coach to who's just get itching to get that head coaching slot. I'm sure I'm sure the Falcons are finding one. I'm sure they're conducting their preliminary interviews. They're doing as much as they can under the NFL guidelines. I'm sure they've got names in mind. We're not going to know about it until at least another month um, when they bring uh, I when people a name, in. I think a name to be reckoned with uh, maybe, maybe in this offseason or in the next offseason is going to be the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Yes, that was – exactly, yeah. I, I think he's a, a hot name, but I, I, I think we're going to chit-chat about uh, head coaching vacancies and who could possibly fill in. Are we going to – if we're going to chit-chat on that for a second, I, I, I really think there's a situation in uh, Ann Arbor Brewing that it might wake Atlanta years up and say, hey, maybe we get Jim Harbaugh a call. That might be an option at the end of the season with well, the way Michigan's going. Well, the thing of it is, though, um, yeah, that might be, because I don't know when we play Cleveland and Cincinnati. Because um, as we all know, Jim Harbaugh has problems with teams from Ohio. So, you know, you want to make sure you get them, uh, you get him bef- knowing that you don't have to play either Cleveland or Cincinnati for a couple seasons. Um, so I, I just want to make sure, make sure of that. But yeah, I think it, it does look like the Jim Harbaugh experiment in Michigan is on its way out and you know, and yeah, he might want to jump back into the, into the, into the NFL. Um, so that is, that is definitely a name. And I, and you mentioned the offensive coordinator for Carolina. That's another name that I've heard, uh, being bandied about it being bandied about in this off season. All right, uh, J.J. Gurevich joining us here as co-host as Daniel Bolton is enjoying himself in uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, we're here on the last three guys to do a podcast. We're talking NFL. We just talked about the um, Falcons-Saints game, but, of course, a lot of other stuff going on. Um, the big game that's going on right now, Green Bay beating Philadelphia 14-3. to That's about 10 minutes left. I'm not even mentioning Leon's Chargers. Um because right now in New England is really kind of punching them twenty eight yeah, nothing. That's ugh. Um, yeah, that, that, that's going. I'm I'm trying to figure out what's that. And I'm not saying this because I'm seeing this point as a Charger fan this year because I I am. Well, and 
maybe it's coming straight from the heart on this one. But, and I might be wrong, I'm, I don't know. But for Justin Herbert, you know, though he has a lot of promise to be in the running for rookie of the year with only two wins on his resume as a rookie. But he's, he's consistently throwing for 300 yards a game. I mean, the guy is cons- he's consistent. He's doing well. And we made this point last, last week where I called the Chargers the best of the worst. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's kind of where they are. But, yeah, Justin Herbert has definitely performed, it performed well uh, with the Chargers, though. It just looks like, you know, why are they losing games? And right now they're down 28. As I said, they're down 28. Now that you've got to really lay it on the, defensives, the defensive side. Right, it's just uh, you know, you know. I, I see the stats. That the stats are fairly pretty. To a certain degree, you know, to the Rivers that has great stats. Uh-huh. You know, it's just, it, 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 sometimes stats don't. You know, all those numbers. Well, at the end of the day, as a fan, I guess I, I, I'm worried about the the, the, the alphabet, the letters. Yeah, the W's, W's and the L's, and, and you know, so you yeah. gotta you gotta figure out where where is the breakdown coming from. Where are where can you do better? Uh, what and you know who is, is there anyone, one person, one uh, element of the game that right now is is the problem? And you know New England is looking at this game. New England, the Patriots score twenty one points in the second quarter. Cam Newton though, and they're doing it. They're really doing it on a running game. Although Cam ha- does have two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, so he's. Another one of those examples of trying to get the team on it on his back and looking all these other ones. I think um, they had, let's see, Chargers had a block field goal, and I want to say let's see what we got here. There was one other touchdown. Um, trying to find it. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Oh wait a minute, let's try this. Is that the right button? I don't know. That's right. while, while you're looking that up, I'll make a couple comments about the, the the Los Angeles Chargers, and they've been in so many one possession games. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 you I mean you look at week two, they lose by three points to the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions. Week three, they lose by five. Week four, they lose to on the road to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers by seven. At the Saints, they lose by three points. So there's four losses in a row could be flip-flopped by a couple plays. Uh-huh. Um, it's definitely this close of a margin. Uh, Justin Herbert has looked great, as you both have mentioned. He threw a pick tonight uh, just a couple moments ago, so it's not looking good in a, in a 28 nothing route right now. But he has been the bright spot for Los Angeles this, this season, um, and it, it's it's been really fun to watch. And if they can get those one-score games turned around, this is a close to a playoff team here, fellas. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, looking at the looking at um, the scoring, New England blocked a field goal and they brought it back for a touchdown, and they ran a punt back for a touchdown. So you got two. Yeah. So two special teams uh, failures has resulted in fourteen points, and that's the difference between a route and a close game. Fourteen nothing. Right. Yeah, you can handle that. So it's 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 the little things as JJ is kind of get alluding to, I mean because they're hanging as JJ mentioned they're hanging around, and if you got a quarterback who can routinely throw for three hundred yard games, he can keep you in there. But you just gotta work on the little uh, on right now the little things, and unfortunately losing kind of builds on losing. Once one thing goes wrong, you're sitting there like okay here it comes here it comes here here everything is coming on. You know, it's all it's all falling apart right now, and I think that's kind of where the Chargers are at. Their mindset's got to change. You know, once something wrong happens, they got to forget about it and not expect everything else. And then, because once you do that, things just kind of snowball at you. Absolutely. It's just to think that two years ago, this team was on course to compete for a Super Bowl. And how within just that short amount of time, the culture has changed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's well, same in same in Atlanta, Leon. It's it's very similar. That's how the the NFL and how close the parity is. Each and every year, you can take the last place team, such as the Chargers, the Jets, right now, and you interchange four or five parts. 
They may have a great ball club in two years, just like that. Look, the Falcons were in the Super Bowl just three and a half short seasons ago. Right. Here we are now. They're four and eight struggling. So you're right there on the brink of things. You're exactly correct. That's that's, that's the break of it. Uh, there, there's some crazy things going on in the NFL right now. Oh, in, insane stuff. And uh, and you talk about talk about the Jets, and we'll talk about the Dolphins in a second. But you talk look at the Jets, and they had the Raiders beat in that game. And what happens? Uh, Suggs catches a 41-yard touchdown pass as time winds down, and the Raiders escape with a 31-28 win. And of course, you got the Jets fans privately cheering because they want to go 0-16. You know they Correct. they want to they want Trevor Lawrence to come and Trevor I got news for the Jets Trevor Lawrence is not the answer to their problems they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence and win Week One next season immediately that's just not going to happen they've got so many holes in that in that franchise can uh, can Trevor Lawrence play cor- cornerback can he block no he, he can he do it all yeah. You're, which is what you're expecting him to do. He can. He can. He can lead the offense. But again, if he doesn't have those players, he's not going to have Travis Travis Etienne that he can that he can hand off to. You know, the Jets just need so much right now, and I don't even know if Adam Case is Gase is the right person to try and bring them I don't back. Think he'll be there at the end of the year. That's another story to look out for. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you another quick one. We could have speak staying on the Jets and piggybacking off of this topic. We could have an 0-16 and, and a 16-0 and 0 in the same season. Yeah. Pittsburgh, yeah. How crazy is that? If the Steelers – and I, I honestly um, – let's look at the Steelers' rest of the schedule. They're playing the, the, the Washington football team. I didn't want to call them the Red the Redskins. Right. Normally the Redskins. Right. Then they play at Buffalo. That'll that's be... a winnable game. Yep. At Cincinnati is a winnable game. Mm-hmm. They play at the Browns, which is going to be tough to end the season. And, of course, they play the Colts there. So a couple winnable games, three in a row, followed by two tough games in the season. They very well could go 16-0, and and we could have an 0-16 in the Jets. What? That's how crazy 2020 is. I think the Steelers benefited from a second-place schedule. Because, remember, Baltimore got the first-place schedule. So the Steelers are missing they're, – they're missing the Chiefs. They don't they don't, they don't play Kansas City that and that would have been a tough game for them, and also the Steelers they also got the NFC least in the uh, in the rotation. Correct. So the Steelers really got lucky in terms of the role of the schedule, and I think the schedule plays a lot into that six in the, in that sixteen and zero. If they drew the NFC West, I don't think they would they would have at least lost one of those games. Um, I agree. So you know, so Pittsburgh, so Pittsburgh, as much yes, they probably will go sixteen and zero, and it doesn't deserve an asterisk, but it kind of does, simply because they got really, really lucky. And if and, they win the Super Bowl, there won't be an asterisk on it. Exactly, exactly. But the sixteen and zero, I I would almost put put just like a little tiny one, a little very little tiny one, in terms of who the, because of who they got. And you know, speaking of, well, I'm gonna. I kind of got into a, I won't say a Twitter argument because that's not really what I wanted to, what I want to go to. But uh, Todd and I, Todd Corder, your co-host on AT, on the ATL Prime Sports, we kind of got into it a little tiny bit because I said the Browns were going to be a playoff team, and I I, I agree with you. I wasn't, and I, I I wasn't sure if he thought that I meant they were going to win the the AFC North. Uh, but I said no. I didn't mean that. I mean they're gonna get into the. They're gonna. I, I looked at their schedule. I thought they were gonna be ten and six. Honestly, although the one game I thought they were gonna lose, they won. I thought. I honestly thought Tennessee was gonna beat them. But they give the Brownies credit. They beat Tennessee. And you figure you look at the rest of their schedule. They're going eleven and five because they play two games against. Uh, they their next two games are against the New York squads. You know they get the Giants and Jets. So there's your 11 wins right there. And that's and then they wind up with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So I mean the Brownies are in the playoffs right now. I there's I don't, I don't see any way that. I agree with you. I, I called it I said it to top on our prime our, our ATL Prime Sports podcast. Mm-hmm. I said it to Ty. they're a playoff team. Uh, unbelievable story. I tell you folks real quick, uh, I want to get in and talk about the Minnesota Vikings real quick. Okay. What a story. We should all be talking about the Vikings. One and five, now six and six. They can possibly get into the playoffs after starting one and five. 
again 2020. Exactly. And the Vikings, you know, they got they had overtime with Jacksonville. Um, you know, it looked like they were up on that. They were up for most of that game, weren't they? And then Jacksonville had a and the Jacksonville had a nice comeback to tie it up and then, you know, you're just not going to beat them at beat them at home with that. Um, but yeah, Minnesota Minnesota's 5 and 6. Uh, I think with Minnesota um the well the thing or well the problem now there's just a dogfight for second place in the NFC North. I mean the Bears had that great start, but that was a matter of the Bears schedule. And now the Bears are coming back to earth. They're five and seven, five and six. But look at but you know, Detroit, they not after that embarrassment a couple weeks ago against uh, Houston, which led them to pretty much fire Matt Patricia, they actually come off the mat and defeat the Chicago Bears thirty four to thirty. So we've got a three team log jam for second place in the NFC North. And the question is, is will one of those teams come off of that to claim that second, uh, that potential wild card berth? It doesn't look good for those three teams. You figure, you figure Tampa Bay will probably be able to limp home, take one. Um, and then you got the Rams in the NFC West. And then, you know, and then there's that third team, that third slot, the which Cardinals are probably going to be right there too. Exactly. You know, that that third slot's going to be a free-for-all. Uh, Arizona, San Francisco. So, you know, it might not it might not be enough for Minnesota to come back and claim that spot. But it would be a but it would be a great story. And now that now that the Bears after that great start, you know, they've just fallen totally apart. And you kind of wonder what is going to get what what the aftermath is going to be in Chicago. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be on his way out. And, and, and you know what's crazy, John, is Trubisky actually played pretty good today. The, the Bears scored 30 points for the first time since like week three, four, five, so, somewhere in there. It's been a while. I wanted to go back and look at the schedule to confirm, but it, they haven't scored 30 points since I'm looking at it right now. Boy. Let's go back to week three against the Atlanta Falcons. Right. Another so, game that the, that the Bears got lucky to win. But boy, and, but another thing with the Lions, Matthew Stafford was, again, given up for dead after that Houston game. He comes back to throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. So, again, as, as you said, J.J., 2020, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. And if you're – so if you're the Lions and you missed the playoffs again this year. Well, you've already fired your coach. I mean, you know, that's pretty much you've already done that. You've already done that. Okay. So they give Matthew Stafford another year? He certain he if he if he keeps doing what he did today, it's gonna be very difficult for him for them to say for them to say no to it. Because I believe the Lions have only made the playoffs in the last Six years. What? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah they very well, rarely do they sniff. Stafford's taken to the playoffs three times with very subpar talent besides Calvin Johnson and the occasional uh, decent season. Uh, Stafford has, hasn't had a thousand-yard rusher in his whole entire career. Mm-hmm. So that that is tough to get to the playoffs with when you're doing everything on your back. You look at Stafford, the guy's throwing for a career 274 touchdown passes, throwing for over 43,000 yards. The guy's got this tangibles. He can throw the ball. He can he can win you games. Heck, he's in the top five and comeback wins in the NFL since he's been in the league. So I, I think yeah. Stafford will be a lion the rest of his career. It's just a matter of if a GM wants to build around him. Um, he wants to be a lion. Will the will the uh, GM will the will the new coach let him? Who knows? That that's the real question. I think uh, I I think it'd be smart for the Lions to stick with him. I don't think there's much better out there than Matthew Stafford. He's a pretty good player. Yeah, and you're not. Yeah. And again, the Lions are going to be in that middle of the draft. And, and you know, it, the draft basically this year is Trevor Lawrence, and whoever goes second is going to take Justin Fields, and then who knows what. That's pretty much that's pretty much where where things are right now, with with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, if I'm the Lions, I'm 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 laying 
all possible options because even when Matthew Stafford had Calvin Johnson, they weren't, you know, you know, even though they, they, they did like the run again. Like I said they haven't had a thousand yard rusher in, you know, in quite some time. Mm-hmm. So their offense like that balance. I see the same thing in, I see the same thing in New England. Let's see the, the the Patriots will be six and six after this after this game. Right. They 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 have a heck of a schedule going forward. And them making it to the playoffs is, is quite a stretch. But if you're the Patriots, which direction do you go in? I mean, because they have that team is pretty much they have nothing, <laughs> but they have a quarterback. Yeah, but they, they, a lot. Julian, Julian Edelman. See, they see Julian Edelman. He's not playing this game. I believe Julian Edelman will be back. What next game? That's their best wide receiver. Right. So it's like, do the Patriots? You know, do they need to go to the draft and start dra- and, 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 and start and start drafting people? It's like, my goodness. I mean, are, are you trying to get better? I mean, are the Patriots trying to get better at this point? I mean, you know, we're, we're, they, they have the potential. Well, the Patriots are going to basically stick around Los Angeles uh, for the next few days because they play the Rams on Mon- on Thursday night. That's the Thursday night game this yeah. week, so they're going to stay yeah. there. And uh, just they're probably not. They're honestly, since they share the same stadium, they're probably going to leave their stuff in the locker room. <laughs> right. You know, because they they well, they, they probably will take it, but still, you you they can do that if they want. They want to leave stuff. Well, absolutely, they're, they're staying in the same stadium, the same facility. Yeah, so, so they can they can just they hang out. Probably, I, I would hang out. Uh, they're probably staying at the same hotel. It mm-hmm. would probably be very normal for them. Yeah. So there's not so this is and got to give the NFL schedule maker props for doing that for letting them do that. And you get, you can better believe that uh, Bill Belichick made that request and it it just made it just made a lot of sense. Uh, last three we are the last three guys to do a podcast. I'm John Morgo with uh, Leon Brown again. JJ Jurovich is joining us for the ATL Prime Sports podcast as Daniel Bolton is enjoying himself in Las Vegas. He'll be back with us on the cast next week here and we're here on Facebook Live and again this episode will drop Tuesday night on uh on iTunes, Spotify as well as SoundCloud, BreakerCast and a host of other platforms you can catch us that on as well. Again, live on Sunday nights here on Facebook and the rebroadcast over on Tuesday we've been talking NFL, a lot of stuff going on. Uh we think the Steelers are going to go 16 and 0. Uh, the thing, but the thing with the Saints, though, I want to get back to the Saints because this is interesting. Taysom hit; they've won nine straight. The last couple with Taysom Hill as quarterback, as Drew Brees is out, and I don't think Drew uh, JJ. I I'm of the opinion that I don't think Drew is coming back this season. Um, because he because he has got like a bunch of cracked ribs. He had a deflated lung. I don't think he's coming back. I'm just not sure how long. I mean, so far the Saints are doing great with Taysom Hill as quarterback. I'm just wondering if they can keep this up when they head into December and especially January. I, you know, I don't know. I don't think they can. I don't think they can either. <laughs> I don't, I'm gonna be honest with you, uh-huh. because at the end of the day, they they barely made it out of Atlanta today. Yes. They barely made that Atlanta. They, they were a batted pass away from getting upset mm-hmm. today. Right. And if I'm the coaching staff, I'm concerned because it, it's not just about the loss. It's the tape that's out there. Right. That the next teams are going to be studying. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't need I'm with you guys. I don't know if they can keep it up, but I tell you, Taysom Hill's been effective enough to keep it going. Um, Their defense has played outstanding the last three weeks. They held two teams with – heck, they almost did it to Atlanta again. Atlanta didn't score till the fourth quarter. They almost did three teams in a row. Of course, three three weeks in a row, two teams. They played the Falcons two weeks ago and did it. Played Denver last week and did it. Held them two without a touchdown. They almost went, they went, let's see, that's eight, 10, 11 consecutive quarters they held a team without a touchdown. If your defense can do that, it doesn't matter what Taysom Hill does. As long as he doesn't turn the ball over. Now, what I did notice, 
Taysom Hill has had the ball stripped out of his hands a couple times while running. Mm-hmm. If he can sure up the football, he can. He hasn't thrown many interceptions. In fact, I don't know if he has thrown one yet since he's been back. Through two inter, two uh, two touchdown passes today. If their defense holds up, all Taysom Hill has to do is maintain, and the Saints are good enough to just fall in line. Well, with the Saints, they've got. I think right now, what they want to do, what the Saints want to do, is try to give themselves enough of a cushion, so that even if they, if Taysom Hill does uh, regress or the defense has an off day, they still have enough of that cushion to still get that number one seat, because that number one seat very big this year, uh, as opposed to last year when when there were two when there were two buys. Now there's only one for that number one seat, and the Saints. only have they get um well they get Minnesota in three weeks but in two weeks they get Kansas City so they right. so they got they got that and then Carolina and Philly are their other games and so you look at you look at that slate and I'm at the very worst case scenario of course best case scenario four and four worst case two and two I think if they go two and two it should be enough for them to hang on to that number one seat and get that and get that by, which is very important because the defense could use that week's rest. Um, yeah. The question you know, is: Is it enough to get in the Super Bowl? No, it, it, it won't be. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet on them. But you know who's you know who looks very quick. Yeah, they're going eleven and five. I think you hit on the nail. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not a far it's, it's not a far cry. That their last that they will lose two more games. They, they'll lose the next. Uh, they'll lose two games, but then they'll win the last two. I say, honey, when I'm looking at a team that I'm I, that I'm looking at right now is um my, the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Which though Tua Tagovailoa, I did. I hope I pronounced the last name. I mean, right. There's a tongue. You gotta you gotta make you get that first that first syllable is tongue, tongue. And then oh, after okay. and then afterwards, I have Tungle no idea. Tungle of Viola, Frank Viola. Okay, I I I, I, I just don't want to call a grown man, and especially a football player, and especially a quarterback, PP. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to do that. <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't want to I don't want him to, to Jim Romy and you know yeah remember that story. But so you got two of them. And Miami, they're right, right, right now. They're standing eight and five. I mean, I mean, they're they're eight and four mm-hmm. as of right now. Now, they have the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bills. Their last four games, right? Despite them being eight and four right now, do you believe they'll finish eight and eight? I think they'll finish ten and six. Uh, okay, okay, ten and six. Are you saying that they'll they'll get wins against the Patriots and the Raiders? Yes. All right. Which that'd be a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. So they have the Miami right, Dolphins right. might have the hardest schedule remaining in the NFL. They got the Chiefs, Patriots, right. Raiders, and Bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they just like you said, Leon. They very well could lose every single one of those. Yeah, they could. Um, yeah. To me, it's very tough to predict this Miami Dolphins football team. Tua did not play very well. Uh, he hasn't played well two weeks in a row. They had to sit him and bring in uh, it's magic uh, to come in and, and, and finish the job the other week. They said he had so, a thumb injury. Thumb injury, correct, but still it looks like it's still bothering him. So yeah. uh, what are you going to do there? If it's if it's a thumb injury, you got to play the better quarterback. Fitzmagic gives you a better chance to win mm-hmm. uh, if he's hurt. But if he's uh, 100% healthy, you like the way Tua played. The first two or three starts he had in the league, he, he looked at lights out. So um, I can't give him a win versus the Chiefs. No, I'm not either. The Chiefs are, are at are on the road. Uh, they they host the Patriots. I feel like they could get that one. Mm-hmm. On the road in uh, Las Vegas and on the road to end the year in the cold in Buffalo, yeah. I don't think they get that one. I think they go one and three, and I think they miss the playoffs. Okay. Okay. Well, you figure, the, like I said, you figure the Browns are going to get one. The Ravens probably will get one in terms of wild card bursts. And... Then again, it's just going to be a free for all 
like the NFC. It's just going to be a free for all for that for that final berth. And we're going back and going back to the uh, going back to the NFC. I made this another comment I made last week is that I think that Washington will get the berth in the NFC East. I agree with that. Yeah. Washington, uh, right now, you know, <laughs> the New York Giants are having something to say about something. Yep. Uh, again, it's 2020, but they're beating Seattle on the road right now. Uh, last yeah, that's amazing. 14-5 to five. 14 to five still. They're playing baseball over there in, this, in the Northwest. Oh, uh, now it's 17-5. Um, to five. Is this, They just kicked a field goal. Okay, so. 17-5, to five, yeah. They, they, with that win, it would be a very big deal because obviously we expect Washington to fall mm-hmm. tomorrow uh, tomorrow afternoon on Monday Eve football. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, not quite Monday. Well, it will. Let's put this. It's in it Pittsburgh. Will it will be night well, by the time that by the time that game that game starts. It will but, be night. But we'll see. So I mean, maybe the Giant. But I'm with you, John. I think Washington has a little bit more in the tank, especially if Daniel Jones is hurt. Mm-hmm. But a win in the NFC least, as we're calling it, is significant. And if they get one on the road in Seattle, that's going to hold a lot of water for that NFC East title. Right. Right. I just uh, the my thing with the Giants and they're basic before they beat before their win last week against Cincinnati, they had not gotten a win outside of their division. They were th- they've played a lot of NFC East games. They only have one left, week 17 against against Cal- against Dallas. They were 3 and 2 in their division and they just didn't show that they could beat somebody outside of the division. Now the- but now they're 2 and 0 oh, maybe. I mean, there's still 10 minutes left and it's only a two possession game. Seattle still time for Russell Wilson to be able to do something. Um, but I and I'm looking at uh I'm looking at Washington's last four games. At San Francisco, home with Seattle, then Carolina and Philly. Uh, and again, the Giants still have Cleveland to play, and they end up with Dallas. And Dallas always plays them, always plays them well. Um, I mean, so yeah. I, I, I'm still, I'm still on that. I, I, I'm still haven't gotten off the that the Redskins, uh, the team formerly known as the Redskins, <laughs> will be the one. Gotcha. Yeah, will will be the one left standing when this is all over. So if you're Seattle, do you count this? Do you chop this? I think they're going to lose this guy. Okay. Do you chop this up as uh, any given Sunday? Like it could happen. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because I I see Seattle finishing. See, they have, after this game, they have the Jets. That's a W. Yeah. They have the artists, they, they have the artists presently known as Washington. Yep. That's a win. So mm-hmm. that's ten and that's ten and four. Right. They have the Rams. I believe they they could possibly get that game too. That's eleven and four. They, they, and then they could they could very well finish twelve and four this season. They could very well win out. Mm-hmm. And say that, but they don't win out. The least they'll finish eleven and five. Right. You know. So I I, I look at today as being an apparition. I mean, I it, it happens. Good, good for the Giants. Who? Oh man! If the Giants win the NFC East, <laughs> the Giants could be the only game. team in the world to have a top ten draft pick and host a, and have a home game in the playoffs and not have the top ten via a trade. But the, if the Giants, I, 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 I'll be very happy for the Giants. Yes, you know because you know they face enormous adversity. Yep, Saquon Barkley going down, breaking and make you know, giving the reins fully, giving the reins to Daniel Jones. Right. The the we're talking about um, minus Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. You know they they face a lot of adversity, but the story of the NFC East, in my opinion, will be Mike McCartney. Okay. Because despite I mean, granted, you lost your quarterback. But you have the luxury of going with another starting quarterback. Well, this is starting last season. Yeah, Andy Dalton. Right. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, so seemingly you, you have an intact, you, your, your team is intact. For the most part, in time, I mean, that's the best possible scenario that you can have. If, if your main quarterback goes down, 
to have another quarterback that was starting that. We see this to a certain degree. We, we thought this was going to be the case in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But New Orleans had other plans. Right. The only thing for Dal- Dallas, again, and all four teams in the NFC East are still alive, uh, technically. I don't think either one of us is giving Philadelphia a shot simply because Carson Wentz is basically suffering from PTSD right now. Um, he's playing like a quarterback scared. And Dallas, we just, we, I think with Dallas, we just want Dallas to go away. I don't think anyone is actually rooting for Dallas right now, and that might actually give them a little bit of an underdog advantage. That you know, Mike McCarthy saying to his squad, "Look, no one wants us to win these things." And you look at their next, and you look at their next. I mean, after Baltimore on Tuesday night, I mean, look at they—they they really have just one really tough game. They got Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philly, and New York. The Giants. So I mean, we as much as I would love to, we really can't write off. We can't really write off Dallas. Can't write off anybody in the NFC East. Well, I'm writing off Philadelphia because because they're getting beat up by Green Bay, and they need an offensive line desperately. Um, Carson Wentz, as I said, he's just he's he's hearing footsteps in his head. Um, he's making horrible decisions. He's getting the ball. He's getting rid of the ball way too fast. He's trying to do everything himself, and that's just leading him down some very bad roads. So I, I don't see Philadelphia doing much in these last four games. Well, we're going to have to leave the NFL there because we've still got some time left, and we do have other topics that I want to hit. And number one is the NBA. A, again, it's a very compressed NBA offseason, but, Leon, we were talking a little bit about this during uh, before we went on air, and you told me, that you were going to hold your analysis until we got on air but the the trade between John uh, the trade that swapped John Wall and Westbrook you know they switched sides Westbrook goes to and uh, Westbrook goes to Washington and I want your analysis cuz you really had a had a, had a really good one yeah you know that that's the pretty much the the high profile trade of the year mm-hmm. yeah Westbrook for John Wall. Right. We, we, we think we hear that the fans cheering, pom-poms are raising. That's a trade that neither team got any better on. Neither <laughs> team will make any play. <laughs> I'm just being honest here. Neither team will make any play. That it, has, it, it will not make Houston any better in the West. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. The, now, the move that Houston made in the offseason that could possibly push the needle forward would be the acquisition of DeMarcus Cousins. If DeMarcus Cousins can be, if, if he, you know, coming off an ATL injury and being worth 280 pounds, would, oh, can he keep him at least in fourth place in the West? And I don't think so. If, if, he, if he could come back the same type of player that he was, yes. But if not, that's a problem. And then with John Wall, John Wall coming off of, I believe he had an ACL, then he had a torn Achilles. And right. As we know, John Wall, his, his main, his hallmark was his speed and athleticism. Him and Russ Worth would be the fastest guys with, the bas- with basketball in hand and with a torn, with, with a recovered ACL. There's going to be a drop off in his game. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he's not really known for being a great shooter. So it's going it, it's you know, and him and James Harden, who are both two ball dominant point guards, playing in the same offense, is is pretty much you know, if I'm if I'm in Houston, and they're not getting rid of James Harden. I know, I know James Harden wanted to leave. You know, he had this one big fantasy of them being another big three in, 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 in Brooklyn. Right. But Houston is like, nah, we gave you a super contract. And granted, you know, you didn't want to take the $50 million, So, you know, you don't have to take the $50 million, well, But you're not going anywhere. And if you do, Brooklyn, we're going to want Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. Right. 
We, 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 don't, we don't care about the player decision. In the words of Houston, we'll prepare to be uncomfortable. Okay. And right now with James Harden, who is a top five player in the league right now, and I'm saying this, he is right behind Giannis. So we're looking at LeBron James. We're looking at Kevin Durant, if he could come back and perform up to expected. Looking at Anthony Davis, number three. Look at Giannis number four, and I'm looking at James Harden number five, and everybody else after him. Let Patrick Williams. Bro, you know he, he's a top five, top four player to leave. But Houston is just not going to let him go. It's not going to happen that way. Mm-hmm. So when I'm looking at Houston, and I'm um, I'm, I'm looking at them, as probably there'll probably be a six. I believe that the team that will overtake Houston for the fourth seed will be Phoenix. I believe with the acquisition of Chris Paul, they're that much better. Mm-hmm. And as far as the Washington Bullets, as far as, well, I was about to cover the Bullets. <laughs> all right, as far as the, I know, I, I went right back to that thing. Right. When when looking at the Washington Wizards and their acquisition of Russell Westbrook, they'll, they'll be a playoff team. They'll, they'll, they'll just be a playoff team. They'll, they'll, they'll be exciting. Um, could they, you know, I, I kind of like that combo better because you have um, Russell Westbrook, who, despite, you know, his personality, uh, you know, him, him going just one speed and that's 100, that's 100 miles an hour in one direction, he will get he, he will get the rest of the offense involved. Bradley Bill will get his numbers. Remember when, when Paul George, Play with Russell Westbrook. That was the last. That was, that was, that was, he was the MVP candidate. Right. Because Russell Westbrook made sure he got his. He got his. He got his touches. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for Russell Westbrook. Potentially, he can be Mr. Triple Double next year. Right. If he potentially go back to be Mr. Triple Double. He, you know, he, the, the question is this: Will, will Russell Westbrook win a playoff series? Where I know he went to playoff series last year, like he had James Harden. Yes, he, he wasn't the alpha in the offense. Now he will be the alpha back in the offense again. Can he win a playoff series while being the alpha dog in the offense? And that's what I'm waiting to see Russell Westbrook. I like the trade. I, I personally think it's a win-win for both programs. The Rockets get a first round, future first round draft pick out of it. Yep. Uh, sure, John Wall may not be the same player he once was, but we saw what Russell Westbrook and James Harden did in Houston. It wasn't that much. It wasn't enough to win uh, the West. It wasn't enough to to get by. So, and it ran D Antonio out. So maybe this is a better suit for the new coach Stephen Silas uh, and his offense. He was an assistant under. Uh, Rick Carlisle there in Dallas, who had one of the best offensive seasons in, in NBA history last year, despite despite the bubble and and uh, the pandemic, they still played ball with Luka Donich and, and and company down there. So this is a new a new resume in Houston. I think it'll work well in both programs. Again, I like that future first round draft pick. Now let's go to the Washington side of this thing. They get an MVP candidate to play with Bradley Bill, Burton, uh, Hachimura, and Thomas Bryant. It's a pretty solid starting five now. You've got a point guard that can average you a triple-double, go and win you a ball game. He did it in uh, in, in, in uh, Oklahoma City when he lost uh, Harden the first time. And uh, in Kevin Durant, too. He just put the team on his shoulders. You didn't think they would win. And what did they do? They still went to the playoffs. I like Westbrook in Washington. I think he'll step up. He's playing in an easier conference. He'll be in the Eastern Conference. There's no LeBron James in the Eastern Conference. This is a huge trade. I think the Wizards hit it big here. Um, I really, really like the trade. They reunite with Scott Brooks, his old coach, in, in Oklahoma City. I think they can rekindle some love, and maybe they can make make a run here. But uh, I, I do think I, I think you're right, Leon. They're still probably middle of the pack, four or five seed at best. Because um, the Hawks turn things around in the East, um, Houston, Houston, I think won this trade. In my opinion, I'm a future first round draft pick guy all day. 
Yeah. Uh, so if you're and and who knows? You mentioned they may even they may make more moves. There's rumor that James Harden is on the move to the Nets. Who right. knows what they'll get in return? Maybe they're rebuilding there, and Silas wants young talent, doesn't want Harden. Who knows what's going to happen? It is a shortened offseason due to 2020 and the COVID outbreak. I'm excited to see what happens. Personally, I think this was a split 50-50, but the future first-round draft pick makes it 50.1% to, to – to 49.9%. I mean, it's that close of a trade to me. Yeah, I've, I'm personally, I'm surprised that James Harden is still in Houston. I'm not sure how he and John Wall are going to co are going to coexist right now. Um, again, Harden made that made it plainly clear. I think that he wants out, that he wants to go to Brooklyn, um, which would again make the really capsize the Eastern Conference. Maybe get give Brooklyn that that extra that extra push. But right now. Because probably because of the short off season, because guys, we have exhibition games this week. I think the exhibition Correct. season starts the 11th, so we got exhibition in in the NBA this week. And of course, COVID is still a factor. Um, whether or not we get, actually get a regular season and get it non bubbled is still a very big question. Um, yeah. So, uh, so a lot can still happen. In terms of the NBA, I like the way. I wish they would start on Christmas Day. They're starting a couple days beforehand, um, but other than that, there's still a lot to say in what is going to be a very, very interesting 2020 to 21 season in the NBA. Of course, LA is the team yeah. to beat. Uh, I believe uh, what did, didn't uh, didn't the Lakers just re-up Anthony Davis? Didn't I just see they that? Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. Good, good for them. We've only got about a couple minutes left. Uh, a couple other topics I want to hit quickly. I believe everyone saw the Alabama LSU game last night. Can anybody stop Alabama? No. Simple answer: No, not this season. I think they're a matchup nightmare for any defensive coordinator. Uh, wide receiver Devontae Smith, uh, 1,305 yards, 15 TDs on 80 receptions. He's shattered the SEC TD reception record, mm -hmm. which is previously held by Chris Doran and Amari Cooper at 31. He's at 38. They still got games to play. Yep. Uh, haven't even mentioned Mac Jones, Najee Harris yet. Uh, if they had Waddle as well, this would be uh, even more of a juggernaut. This is literally one of the uh, best Alabama teams Nick Saban has had. He's admitted it. Um, I don't think anybody stops it, especially on the offensive line. Uh, they, they, they get pushed. Najee Harris can run it for 200. Mac Jones can throw it for 300. That's basically what they've been doing the entire season. Steve Sarkeesian can do whatever he wants with the playbook because it's mismatches throughout the game. They even have great tight ends. And here's the deal. This is why I don't think anybody can stop. Ohio State's got question marks on the defensive side of the uh, football. They're 96 and points against them this year, giving right. up over 23 and a half. They had to shoot out and beat Indiana. They were up by like 28 points in that game and had to hold on to win. Mm -hmm. There's my question mark with them. Notre Dame played Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. So I really want to see what Notre Dame looks like when they have Trevor Lawrence behind the, 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 the center. And I don't see Florida beating Van in the SEC title game, and I think that honestly might be the team with the best shot. Right. I don't think anybody can beat Bama, folks. No, it doesn't. I mean, Clemson, based on their performance, Clemson's having a lot of problems on third down, and um, I don't. See, yeah, I think I think maybe what happened last year, where uh, maybe Nick Saban just had that slight drop off of talent, just very very slight, and there was enough for Clemson because you had Lawrence and Eddie in and all those factors just really playing at the top of their game to to come in but this is this is the season that Nick, that Nick Saban gets his revenge on Clemson and when we started this college football season I made the joke we should just call off the college football season because we all know that come January it's going to be Clemson Alabama we just know that <laughs> so let's just call everything off and just play Clemson and Alabama for the Marbles in January. And sure enough, that's what's going to happen. You talk about Ohio State, they're having their COVID issues, and they are trying Absolutely. desperately to field a team uh, and get those six games that they need to be eligible for the college football playoffs. And that is – and that, you know, I think they're, what, five now? They need one more? Um, yeah, and Michigan, the team they're supposed to play next week, 
has had their outbreak and they right. haven't played in a couple weeks. So right. it's six a, games is a big time question mark for Ohio State. Yeah, it's almost as if and we've got some really great stories for this for this college football season. It has forced some is forced people to tap dance and we've got some really interesting things out of it like the BYU Coastal Carolina series. That that's an ESPN 30 for 30 just waiting to happen in terms of what they had to do to put that t- game together in such a short amount of time. Um, and a good victory for the Chanticleers who could actually crash the uh, get that at large berth in the uh, in the group of in those big bowl games. They could actually actually do that. Um so good job for I hope, I Coastal really Carolina. They do. I hope Cincinnati drops one, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Cincinnati will be there. Okay. And, of course, I want to give a, another shout-out. Again, I went to Vanderbilt, so that's why this, this podcast does have kind of a Vanderbilt-centric thing to it. But, boy, two, tw- for Vanderbilt, 2020 has kind of been compressed into a period of about two weeks. Um, the, the, yes, they did have the feel-good story of Sarah Fuller becoming the first – woman ever to participate in a p5 uh p5 fo- college football game but then they've had massive covid uh either people opting out and of course there could be other explanations for that uh joe fisher the play-by-play voice for vanderbilt had to resign on wednesday and we wish him the best he had to go into rehab so we wish him wish him the best and of course the whole situation not coming from georgia not coming to play georgia greg mcgarity made it sound like he was throwing the whole he was blaming vanderbilt for that for that whole situation kind of saying, oh they're ducking you know they're trying to duck us uh i feel and still georgia had done you know they're trying to put it trying to put us thing to it of course Derek Mason their head coach Vanderbilt's head coach fired and the outset of that Missouri game so you know a lot of a lot of different issues being come in I just wanted to again really kind of touch on that uh so there's just a lot of stuff going down on West End and as an an alum I'm kind of looking at this like just like wow when does baseball season start and can we (laughs) and can we get a good baseball season that's another thing John you know I'm right there with you, man. I, I don't see how they compete in every other sport and not football. Mm-hmm. They just won a women's SEC title. In soccer. They won a baseball national championship. Twice. They won twice. Uh, Dansby Swanson was a part of that team. Yes, he was. So it, it's just unbelievable to me. Uh, you mentioned head coach Derek Mason getting fired. I, I I don't know about that. We can go deeper into that if we had more time. Yeah, maybe Players next week. out, COVID-19, a female kicker, all of this on top of a winless football season. Look, things don't look good in Music City, John. I, I'm sure you know that, but yep. – I thought Derek Mason was doing as best he could. Look, hell, he had 10 players opt out before this week alone. Right. I mean, he had eight players transfer since spring practice. Mm-hmm. I don't know what cards can be dealt and get a full house and, and beat somebody with four of a kind over there. And also, that's what you're playing against every time. I, I mean, I didn't realize they were that shorthanded, John. That is unbelievable. Yeah, they had one game. Uh, the Missouri game was originally postponed because they didn't have enough. And remember, yeah, I, I, and remember, we all Vanderbilt usually gets four non-conference games, and there's usually one that they get that they that they can win. Either they play Murray State, Western Kentucky. You know, they'll they'll get correct. they'll get that win that way. But you know, this season is just is just nuts. And we're supposed to go to uh, play UNLV in Las Vegas in a couple in a couple of seasons. So I hope that game is still on. Um, it's it's just a crazy it's just a crazy situation. Of course, basketball as well although you look at men's basketball we've had Vanderbilt's had two lottery players in the last three seasons and yet this is still a team that can't win an SEC game to save its life um <laughs> Darius Garland Simi Chateau uh and of course you know, who've actually played pretty well and uh, now Aaron Naismith I think is gonna go is gonna is probably the next one up from that so it's it's just a crazy situation over there, but I again I wanted to mention it because it just seems like 2020 has been compressed into about two weeks. You know, I, I think the next thing is it's going to start raining frogs on West End. I think that's I think that's what's going to happen next over there. But yeah, yeah it, it, it's crazy, John. I, I mean, I, to to be honest with you, I I don't think anybody's been dealt that bad of cards in this uh, 2020. Uh, outbreak season. I really don't. That's why I, I really thought that was a, a 
I, I thought Derek Mason's a pretty good coach. Um, and since you're a Vanderbilt guy, what, what are your opinions on that real quick? Well, I think he lost control. I think he lost the team. That's another yeah, thing. Okay. He lost. I mean, he really lost the team. I think a lot. If if you have if you, if you are getting called out as what happened by, in halftime of that Missouri game by your kicker, who is a women's soccer female player, if she's the one calling you out, then there needs to be a wholesale culture change. I think the team has just completely checked out. Now, of course, there are some there are some things that are good there. You know, Ken Seals. Their freshman quarterback, I think he's the real deal. But again, yeah. you gotta you gotta build around him, and most importantly, you gotta. It's, it's like what we were talking about earlier when, in regards to the Chargers. You gotta change the mindset so that when one thing goes wrong, things don't snowball on you. And that's what they have to work on. And again, they play Tennessee next week. That's the rival. If you can't get up for Tennessee and you're in Van- and you live and you're at Vanderbilt, there's just really no sense going. If you can't if you can't get up for for your hated rival, there's no sense. And then of course the end of the year with Georgia. And if I'm Georgia, I'm just kind of smoldering right now because that's the week of the what? That's the week of the SEC championship game. And knowing Georgia, they think that that Eastern Conference title for to play is their birthright. So they're going to be mad that they have to play somebody other than Alabama on that on that on that day. So I, they're either going to come up and it's going to be eighty to nothing, or it will, or they they'll as I said they'll check out early. It's either going to be a close game with a Vanderbilt win or a total Georgia route. It's going to be one of the two. So that's kind of where I am where I am with that. Uh, well, JJ, I want to thank you very much for uh, for agreeing to sit in with us um, again. Lee, uh, Daniel will be back with us next week. He's enjoying himself in Las Vegas. Hopefully, he doesn't lose too much money. Uh, but again, it was a it was really great having you here. Thanks, thanks again for uh, for helping us out. Well, absolutely, I appreciate it, JJ. Absolutely, thanks again, John and Leon and guys, listeners uh, of the last three guys. If you guys want to check us out at ATL Prime Sports. Twitter and Instagram. We post a new uh, YouTube video weekly. Mm-hmm. I want to say thanks again, guys. I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks a lot, JJ. Uh, again, we are the last three guys to do a podcast. Again, this episode will drop Tuesday night, Sunday evenings live on Facebook, live Tuesday nights on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes and all the other pocket uh, and all pocket casts and all the other uh, platforms out there. Thank you so much. We'll see you in seven days. Appreciate it. This has been the last three guys to do a podcast. <laughs>